Good morning, Sarah Heffala. Good evening, Nancy Rommelman. It is not. I've been up since 2.30, so it is actually heading into dusk for me. You know, it's funny. I must, in sympathy, I woke up at 2.30 and I read about 20 minutes of my dystopian sci-fi and went back to sleep, which was nice. I got up at 7 o'clock. So, uh, well, I lived my dystopian sci-fi. Uh, um, I have a big announcement before you get to our corrections. I think it's going to please you more than anybody else, but maybe a few listeners. I found the mute button. Oh, my God. That is so exciting. It was the one that said mute. It was funny. Um, hmm. So if I if 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 need be, I will I'll mash it. It's ironic, you know. Um, speaking of the mute button, um, I do have some corrections. And uh, Nancy, the reviews are in. The reviews are in. Our listeners love our talk about coughing. There's nothing <laughs> they love. It's the new chicken fucking. There's, and there's nothing they love more than us talking about whether one of us ha- is coughing or has a frog in their throat. You know, it's it's great. This is what's going to rocket smoke them if you That's got right. him to That's- the top of the charts. Number 79 with a bullet. It's it, it's it's all money, baby. Uh, well, yeah, I did read a few of those comments. Obviously, the first ones were like, guys, listen, it's like right in my earballs. You've got to chill with the coughing or mute it. Okay, cool. That's good. Then it was like, you know, I don't really mind the coughing. The coughing's fine. Then it was like, it's more annoying to hear Sarah tell Nancy to have a cough drop than it is to hear Nancy coughing. So uh, I think we all have lessons to learn here. Sarah, I do have my cough drop, but I, I don't feel particularly froggy this morning. So we'll see. It was a, it was the life cycle of broadcasting there was what it was. It was like a miniature life and death of what the broadcasters feel all the time. Um you know, I, I thought we'd try something a tiny bit new before I do another correction. I thought I'd tell people what it is that we've got on cue. Um, it, we may not get to it, but what we're going to talk about is the uh, fourth season premiere of Succession. Yep. We're going to talk about people's obsession with Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, if a- not mine. <laughs> yeah, right. The A.O. Scott. The A.O. Scott. That's right. The, the A.O. Scott. A.O. Scott. Not the A.O. Scott at your dry cleaners or the one no. at your kid's school. The A.O. Scott. Yes, that's right. The film critic of the New York Times is leaving to become a book reviewer, and he's written some words about the state of cinema. And then we have a scandal wherein the uh, up-and-coming actor Jonathan Majors of Creed Three has been arrested for domestic abuse. So, um, so that's our that's our docket for today. And then, of course, we've got hot boxes and. There's and not going to be a Milk Manor update. I think Milk Manor must have had an episode on Sunday night. I've been so busy, guys. We've been so busy that I I hate to admit it, but I'm going to admit it. We almost didn't get in the studio today. It's just been bananas. But here we are because we love you. Um, And by the way, I'm going to be taking a break. That's right. You are. So I'm going to be by myself and I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Yes, you do. (laughs) Yes, I do. Uh, Yeah. What what, what, was your, the third to the 14th? You're, you're, you're dipping. I think this might be my last smoke on podcast. We might do another one. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. um, But this is, uh, I'm going to take. Not last for good. Not last for good. Not last for good. Last for a tiny little bit. I'm taking uh, Sarah's spring break, 
which will actually look like Sarah writing for 12 to 14 hours a day. Um, but I'm finishing up a project and it's due April 15th. And so it's just going to take all my resources, all my little resources, but I'll be having smoking diaries. I've, I've done them and they're, they're going to be in the queue. So every Friday night, that little cigarette alto will come at you. Uh, and we've got, um, I've got at least one person that will sit in with me, Liz Wolf from Reason Magazine. She and I used to do a little, um, a little segment for the Paloma Media YouTube called Hot Chicks Cold Takes. So it'll sort of be a probably a Hot Chicks Cold Takes. Um, she's great. She's super smart. And she she talks about things that you and I don't usually talk about. So that'll be fun to get something in the mix. And then I've got a, an author whose book I'm still waiting to get in the mail. Um, but if I get it, then I, I'll, I'll do a little interview with her. So I, we'll wonder, have- I wonder if I'll feel threatened by Liz Wolf. Um, nah. replacing me. It'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting experiment um, in my maturity level. I have met <laughs> Liz Wolf. She's lovely. Absolutely She's lovely. So many tattoos, though. A really surprising so amount tattoos. of tattoos. And such a cute little baby boy, Zev, who's six months old, who I've I've said... Uh, you know, if she she does this, uh, she does a TV show occasionally called Rising. She co-hosts on Fridays, and I'm like, if you want to leave the baby with me, just do it. That, that's like my fantasy to be sitting at my laptop writing while there's a baby in like a little bouncy sling next to me. So, yeah, you guys are just going to be like babies, libertarianism, Bill right. Maher. Um, right. But I ask that you not talk about abortion because I actually would love to talk with Liz Wilf about abortion. Yeah. So she's very right to life. She's um, she's open about that. Liz is, I think, 26. So she's, you know, and she's she's Christian and she's or maybe Catholic. I'm not sure what she's but she's uh, she's pretty staunchly and, and, you know, unapologetically, if but not aggressively. It's just like yeah. these are her beliefs. And I I totally respect that. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we really have to do. We have to listen. Um, and, and, and respect other people's opinions. They may not be ours and they may not even influence us, but it's, it's interesting. And she's, she's great. So we'll have her in here on um, probably next week. Um, all right. You want to get to, uh, all the things we got wrong? So it's really just me. It's, uh, <laughs> I got something wrong and, you know, do you ever like take, go to a party and you're dressed in like a really hot dress, what you think is a really hot dress. And then later you see a picture of yourself and you're like, is that what that dress looked like? Yes, I have done that. Uh, it's, yes. <laughs> and you're like, can I untag this picture and burn it? And can I rewind time and not wear that dress? That's, I'm very familiar with that phenomenon. Um, and that's a little bit like how I felt when I read the following reader comment. It came from someone called not so young anymore. Well, aren't we all? And this was on episode 64, how to fix a hate crime. Uh, the letter is this. Oh boy. Haven't finished listening. Sarah, please. The Durst summary is awful. <laughs> this is not funny. It's not funny. It actually made me sad when I read it, but it's funny to me now. Cause it's, it's your delivery. That's making me sad. Tragedy. Sarah. Well, tragedy plus. <laughs> Time equals comedy. Right, right. The first part, the first part of my podcast, of our podcast, when I was when I was summarizing the Durst and Jinx and stuff like that, the disappearance of his wife, Kathy, is freaking domestic violence leading to murder. You just freaking minimized that story. Look into the details. She just walked away from medical school. Sure. 
You did a horrid job on summarizing that. It's not cute to be so vague. Get your facts in order. Also, Susan Berman is her name. So not so young anymore, um, was not having it with me that day. Uh, it was interesting. I haven't, I, I really did mean to go back and listen to that, but it's just, I, I couldn't, I didn't have time. And so I'm left to kind of scroll back the tape in my own memory and go like, what did I say? You know what this got me thinking about? Because what I'm suspecting happened is that I had a little bit of a like glib demeanor. And I think, see, I think this is such an interesting lesson in the problematic aspects of taking ghastly real crime murders and turning them into documentaries and then movies. Because by the time I was sitting in this seat telling this story, I really wasn't thinking about the real life murder of his, of Durst's wife, Kathleen McCormick, who disappeared in 1982. And I really wasn't thinking about the real life person named Susan Berman, who uh, he killed in 2000. I, I, I was almost like seeing Kirsten Dunst in my head. And, you know, like, you know, I just collapsed it into this kind of entertainment. And I actually think this is why people have a real problem with true crime. Uh, as someone who has written a lot of true, true crime and gotten a lot of pushback, saying, how can you possibly, you know, write about a dead child? And you're going to make things worse. I'm like, I'm not sure I can make things worse than what's already happened. But I, you know, I take, I take not so young's point in, in one particular way. First of all, I don't remember you being glib at all, but I guess one thing we can do a better job is, is that is it at the very least remembering the victim's name, because mm-hmm. you know, and we and and you know, in a, in a sense, it's not really anyone's fault. You watch a documentary, you watch it three years ago or eight months ago, and you see it and you remember the facts. And we're talking about different things that the director's choices that he made. We were both kind of down about a particular uh, um, director's choice to kind of ambush um, um, Durst's brother. And yeah, maybe maybe her name just got swept away. It was it was considered lesser. And I can certainly say, you know, for her family and the people that loved her and maybe even people that became invested in the story, I could see how they would say, you know what, this person had a name. So that is something we can do better. Um, you know, when we are talking and sometimes we talk about these things and we don't even realize we're gonna go into these little, you know, So that's avenues. what happened here. I knew we right. were gonna talk about the jinx, but I thought we were gonna talk about Jarecki and some of the filmmaking choices. Right. And I didn't realize right. I was gonna be doing a potted summary of this incredibly winding story. And so I was doing it from memory. And um that, you know, I just those names were swept away in my head. And normally I have the notes in front of me. Um, but I, but I think you're right. I think that, that note, you know, this is actually a reason why there's a podcast that people love called my favorite murder. Mm-hmm. And I cannot listen to it. I can't either. I can't. I, I, I try when I was doing, um, when I wrote to the bridge, everyone's like, you got to get on my favorite murder. You got to get on my favorite murder. And I was like, okay, I had never heard. I mean, I'd heard of it. And I listened to it and I thought, Oh no, 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 no. It was me to me again. I tried to listen to it once, so this is this is certainly not uh, a, a yeah. It's full not. It's not. Yeah, view. we're not thorough it, here. No, but it seemed to me they were so titillated in a way by well, the, the name. Yeah, I just it, it just wasn't. Look, obviously, it appeals to a lot of people. It's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to put it down, but it's not the kind of work that we do. And if we want to claim and and take the responsibility to do the work we do, which we do then it's a good lesson. We will, we will try to do a better job. And remembering 
these details that are incredibly important and sorrowful. I do want to challenge this person on it's not cute to be so vague. I think sometimes it is. Not on this topic. Okay. I just think that's maybe not true. I think being vague can is, is not the problem. Well, sometimes being vague is respectful. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my point. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is that uh, I think it's I think it's great that our listeners are pushing back, that they hold us accountable, that they tell us when we get things wrong. Um, not so young anymore. You and I don't know each other, but I didn't love your tone on this. Um, as my mom would say, take the message. Maybe in a different tone next time. But um, but who am I to give notes to our commenters? They can talk to yeah. us however they want to. However, you know, I, we I, do I, have the reins. I mean, when you showed me, or maybe I saw the comment, I don't remember, maybe you sent it to me. I kind of loved it. I don't mean I loved it, you know, because maybe it was a little hurtful or something. I just thought this is like the next step. Like people are going to tell us, God, you guys suck. We've already gotten that over on Apple Podcasts, or, or yeah. I have. They love Sarah. I'm like, oh, get her out of here. Um, but yeah, by the way, guys, if you are listening to this, hello, we love you. Um, we, we're glad you're subscribing. If you are a paid subscriber- You're not necessarily subscribing. Don't give no, the, this love no. out for free. Okay, no, what I'm hold on, lady, hold on. Um, if they're listening to this, they probably got it in their feed, or maybe they didn't, maybe they saw it on Twitter. Uh, please subscribe, please become a paid subscriber. We would love that. And if you are, if you like the show, go over and rate us on um on on Apple, which we always forget to say, but apparently that's what you're supposed to say when you're a podcaster. So um, and then you can see some of the uh the the one star comments because of me, me. I'm bringing down the average, Sarah. I I, I hate to say it. Um. Okay. I'm sure you're bringing up the average in other ways. I guess I am. I, like in our height of, average. I am. Like I'm, I'm really I, bringing down our height average. I have six inches on you and on the baking average. <laughs> I can smell the shortbread I just made, which I talked about on the last pie talk. And at least two people have baked and told me they baked it and said it is so, 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 so good. So go back and listen to last week's pie talk and, and make some shortbread. Can I ask that my new nickname, because you don't really have a lot of nicknames for me. Like Texpot is one of them, but you never use it. Oh. And then the other one I would like to introduce is shortbread. Shortbread. That's good. Shortbread, sweet and crunchy yeah. and a little salty. Um, okay. So any other corrections? Have you made any other mistakes, Sarah Hepla? <laughs> I made so many mistakes, but but nobody's <laughs> brought them to my attention yet. It It is true that we've, we told Nick from the UK that he couldn't actually get the Substack feed in his um, podcast app and he can, and we'll, we can post a link to how you do that. Okay. I I have a, a public service announcement that I, I'm actually really proud of myself. I don't I don't like I like being proud of other people. I'm very, very rarely proud of myself. I mean, this might be actually the first time. So I live in an apartment in New York City and the shower the showers there's two showers, I have two bathrooms and uh which is pretty great for a New York City apartment. And um the shower's just not great. It's just like I was just in a hotel in DC. It's a nice strong shower. I'm like, oh, really a strong shower. I was like, you know what? Hold on a second. Went on YouTube, looked at a 45 second video, took off my shower heads and took out the little low flow adjuster things that apparently, I think since 1992 has been law. You have to stick in a little low flow thing, pop that sucker out of each of the shower heads in 45 seconds flat. I took a proper shower this morning. So I'm going to put a link to that 40 second, 45 second video because you can literally do this instantly and have a better shower every day. So you're welcome. 
Welcome, paid subscribers. Yes, well, <laughs> this is the premium content not, you come you not, come here for. It's not even close. <laughs> this is like what I want to run from all my life. It's like, can I pay you to not put that link in the episode notes? It's a, it's important. Um, okay, so Sarah, we've got some interesting um, kind of entertainer entertainmenty things to talk about this morning. We do. I want to start with Succession. Okay. Now, before we get there, I told you I was a little sleepy and I fell asleep for five minutes and I apologized for that, but I did see the rest of it. And, I, and I'm, I'm leaning toward your, what you said to me yesterday, that you were absolutely riveted. Yes. What was the first part of that? Like, I don't even can. Okay. Let's, let's just, Succession debuted uh, its fourth season on Sunday night. Uh, it was an hour long show. If you're not watching Succession, I sympathize. You know, I watched the um, first season and then fell off in the second season. I did exactly the same thing. And exactly I just talked to a friend who did exactly the same thing too. Yeah. So, and I can't speak for either of y'all yet, but I can tell you that the reason I did that is because I thought the first season was so good. And then the second season, I just, I was like, a, it was a dark place in my life. I was just like, why am I spending time with these awful people? They're not going to change. I, they're all unlikable. It's, you know, Succession, if you don't know, is the story of a family called uh, the Roys. And they run a TV empire called Waystar, which is, you know, I think based on Fox News. The family is based on the Murdochs, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Um, it is about the sort of backbiting and angling to be his successor. Um, but I think the the name has a lot of a lot of meanings, and that's one of the reasons why it's so great. The creator is Jesse Armstrong. Um, that's a dude. And, you know, it's for my money right now got the best acting and writing on television, which is, that's a really, really stiff competition. But I fell off the cracker for several years and it wasn't until somebody was talking about some episode called four on the floor where they all have to get on the ground and squeal like piggies or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, yeah. what the hell? And they were saying yeah. how it was like one of the most amazing things they'd seen on television. I was like, you know what? I probably should pick up and watch Succession. And so a year ago I did and I caught up and I just liked it more and more and more the more the seasons went on. I thought the ending of the third season was one of my favorite hours of television. Absolutely phenomenal. And so here we are in the in the beginning of the fourth season um, you know, this is an interesting story about a patriarch, an incredibly grumpy patriarch played by the Scottish actor Brian Cox, sort of known for his King Lear. Uh, and he brings that King Lear energy to the portrayal of this aging, you know, media tycoon. And he has four children for reasons we sort of start to piece together, but we're not sure. The oldest son is never part of this. And um, the three other kids, there's two guys and a, and a woman played by the actress Sarah Snook. Um, the other two are played by Jeremy Strong and Kieran Culkin. Yeah. The Kiernan? great Kieran Kiernan. Culkin, who plays Roman 
uh, the person who delivers some of the great cynical one-liners of modern television. So, um, but you know, there's, there's so much could be said about each of the people that I just mentioned. Um, so yeah, so, so as this season begins, um, there has, you know, the, the kids who have all been in competition to take over the company have decided actually to change tack, join forces and fight their father. It's a really astonishing Shakespearean pivot. And the reason is because each of them, the father is so mercenary and so irascible and so charming in a certain way. And because he, because you never can really get out from under the thumb of your parents, or at least as portrayed here, they keep falling for it. It's like the, the abuser that tells you, I promise, baby, I promise I'm not going to hit you again. And so you go back and then hit you again. Absolutely. Each, each of the children has been promised in ways, you know, in ways that appeal to them, um, that they will be the su- successor. And I would just like to say, I don't remember the name of the actor who plays the oldest brother. but Alan you- Rickman, I think, from, uh, you know, he's from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day. That's off, what I was going to say, but not yeah. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman was the great actor who I think died a couple of years ago. You um, are correct. I am correct. But it's yes, Alan he- Ruck. Alan Connor. Connor, He was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I didn't realize for a while. I want to just echo what Sarah is saying about the acting here. The acting here is, and we also have to give it to the writers because the pacing and the acting, and you are constantly, you are constantly unseated and nervous about every single thing that is happening. And I will also say that I agreed with you about the first season. I kind of fell off. I like watched one or two of the second season. I was like, ah, because everybody was so intensely unlikable. I went back again last year and I decided, well, there was kind of one character that I kind of did. If If I had to pick one, if I had to pick one, I knew who it would be. Who would it? Who would it have been for you at what, last season? Was there anyone? Last season? Well, like it, at the end of last season, if you had to pick one of these children to say, okay, if I got to get in bed, I don't mean literally in bed oh. with who, who, one of them, who who would be have been your favorite or the least despicable? Let's say. Well, by I think by the end of last season, God, it's so hard to say that it would probably be Roman. Roman, yes, for sure. But I will just say. I cannot believe that by the end of last night's or Sunday night's episode, I actually was starting to have some sympathy with Tom, who is absolutely uh, um who is who has been so awful and so like buffoonish and 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 just awful and yet and yet this is just incredible writing and pacing that by the end of that episode you're like wow. My heart is opening for Tom. Hundred percent. You know that's he's played by a British actor named Matthew McFadden, and for the first season or two, I actually thought he was miscast. Um, I thought that, and I, and I still think for the first season he might be miscast. But what I can tell you is that he's made Tom his own, oh, and yeah. Tom's character has opened up so much, and he's now my favorite. <laughs> really m- probably my favorite part of the show. Um, there's this great 
gag that's going on between him and this other guy named Cousin Greg. Cousin Greg, who's great, who's, who's so great. So great. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think his name is Nicholas Braun, um, at least according to this Wikipedia page I'm reading. Um, and, you know, they ca- like Nicholas Braun keeps keeps saying like, Hey, we're the disgusting brothers. And, you know, like it's so dorky. It's, you don't get any context for what that means. It immediately became a meme. Like it was immediately the breakout phrase. I woke up the next morning and the disgusting brothers was trending on Twitter. And it's because, you know, they're both apparently like whoring around. You know, Tom is separated from his wife and partner, um, Shiv, who's the interesting, the, the fascinatingly named Shiv. Yeah. Um, who is uh, the daughter. And, you know, there's there's a back and forth where where they end up, you know, Greg ends up admitting that he's done this kind of crazy sex act and 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 Tom is like, I can't believe you did that. You know, did you did you did you really do this? Did you do that? And and you know, Greg has to admit that like, okay, he didn't like bone her. He like, you know, they shoved their hands into each other's pants and rummaged around and tom says did you rummage to fruition (laughs) which is like my favorite line i mean it's really it's hard to please me with uh sexual uh double entendres because i've just heard so many of them and i feel like it's a played out genre but did you rummage to fruition delighted me to no end and and of course he's doing this at this this birthday party for the patriarch where everybody's just so completely on edge and cousin Greg is just being like such a buffoon thinking like I'm here I'm allowed to be here he walks up to someone at the door he's like I'm allowed to be here I'm family I'm allowed to be here I just I I have to say it is great and then that final scene with Shiv and Tom was just kind of kind of heartbreaking Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, beautiful. beautifully I, done. When we so so, what you were referencing earlier is that when you and I texted about this show, you said Succession eh, didn't like it. I said I was a little underwhelmed. That's you what I didn't, said. Uh, to my memory, tell me that you hadn't finished it, and no, I, I said, did. Oh I well, did. I didn't read that part. Yeah, yeah. And then I said, Oh, I loved it. Yeah. So what were you not liking? I because I had um because I had just come back. Uh, on the train from a very difficult and exhausting weekend uh, upstate. And when I got in front of the TV and turned it on a little after nine o'clock, I was so exhausted that I was watching the show and loving it, but then I fell asleep for five minutes and woke back up and stuck with it. So it's me. It's nothing to do with the show. It's me. Got it. It's me. So one thing I want to say about this season that I thought was a really interesting choice, I think one of the least sympathetic characters um, has been Logan Roy, the patriarch. He is um, very funny and very straightforward, and and you can love him for that. But he is so cruel, and so he will cut anyone, and so indelicate, really just indifferent to people's feelings. That it, you know, for me, I usually sympathize with whoever is on the other end of his like pointy index finger. You know, like whoever he's happens to be yelling at that time, I'm sort of like, oh, I would hate that. But, you know, by the end of this episode, you really get the sense of like the king has fallen and the sadness of being um, an older man losing your empire. And I don't just mean 
the television show, I mean your facilities, your sharpness, your place in the hierarchy. You know, that is one of the things about aging, and it happens differently for men and women. Um, For men, especially men like this, you know, you are at the top, and to cede to anyone else um, can often be the biggest heartbreak of your life. It's not women that you leave and children that don't call you on your birthday. You know, it's that this thing that you thought was your legacy will be lost. And it's, it was very powerful. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to posit that yes, uh, Logan Roy is incredibly cruel. He will win at all costs. And this is why he has wound up where he is. And I do wonder, well, I think it is, I think it is, uh, self-evident that one of the reasons he pushes and winds up sometimes destroying his children, who actually keep getting back up, if you notice, yeah. is that they've got to be tough, man. You want to run this thing? This is what it is. Yeah, This is what it is, or at least the way I did it. And I don't know. I don't trust that there's another way to do it. So I am going to whip you and whip you and whip you until you are able to take that whip out of my hand. I think that's a great point. And, you know, I think that separates this story from a lot of the different media empires that we've seen, or just the empires in general, where, you know, the first generation is tough as goddamn nails. And part of what they do is to make, by virtue of being rich and entitled and, you know, like, like the second generation gets softer, right? This is just the story of American generations. Um, and you know, his kids are very soft. I mean, some of their, their entitlements, their, their, the way that they spend money. I mean, there's a real eat the rich, um, scorn that, that courses underneath all of these, you know, it occurred to me as we were watching it, we, I meant me and you separately, (laughs) or I meant me and Wallace and I'm not sure which one makes more sense, but, um, it occurred to me as I was watching it that this is a show that can be enjoyed by, you know, right-wing people that feel like, yeah, like they're giving the finger to a lot of this silly liberal, they're, they're satirizing liberal dogma. And it can also be enjoyed by left-wing people that think they're satirizing right-wing dogma. Um, so wherever you lie on the political spectrum, you can sort of tab you can kind of like uh you know modulate the satire or the intent of this show to work for your particular worldview um i think it's if not the best one of the best television shows on and and i think it, it'll be up there in the pantheon of great shows and then there's also the other show that i'm going to try to watch i haven't watched yet uh, which is Yellow Jackets, which also premiered. I think it was supposed to premiere on the same night, Sunday, but I think it actually dropped on Friday. But I haven't seen it yet. I haven't had a chance to. But that that's a very, very interesting show if that has not been on your radar. And it's um, it's sort of – it's serious and has some cutting edge, but it's also got a little bit of that television show Lost quality. It's a little more like TV TV. Anyway, I like it. We'll be, we'll be watching that and talking about that on a future episode. Um, do you want to jump over to uh to Jonathan Majors, which I just read something about him this morning? Yeah, sure, we can do that. Um, Jonathan Majors 
first came to my attention uh, watching the Oscars. Yep. Yep. Um, because I was like, uh, who's the fox? <laughs> I mean, and I'd seen him before, but I didn't know, I couldn't place him. You never, really, you never seen no, him? No, okay. I, okay. I don't okay. think so. I didn't recognize him. I mean, even okay. when I look at the things he's been in, you know, this is an actor who's been his, you know, he was promoting at the time Creed three, but you know, he's also been in something like, it's called like the Ant-Man and the, and the Wasp quantum mania. Honestly, I don't, I don't, yeah. these aren't. To me, these aren't even movies. I'm sorry. I know that. <laughs> we'll get into the A.O. Scott thing in a second. Yeah. But it's like, it's not, that's that's a video game. It's not, I can't. But anyway, he, and and he, it, you know, Wikipedia says he received acclaim for Magazine Dreams, which uh, premiered at Sundance. I mean, that sounds like something I should watch, Magazine Dreams. Oh, it's set to be released on December 8th. Okay, well, it's not out yet. Um, Yeah, never heard of the guy. But I found out that he's from Dallas. Oh, lady. Yes, he is from like Cedar Hill, which is a south part of South Dallas. And then he also went to Duncanville and he was in acting there. And then he went to Yale, Yale University, Yale Drama School, Yale Drama School, where they recite passages from Ant-Man and the Wasp, (laughs) Quantum Mania. My mother, my, Lord. Me to, my mother wanted me to go to Yale Drama School. I was like, oh, I want you to go to Yale Drama School. No, I, I, okay, I can think of a few things I'd like to do less than go to drama school. I bet anyway, you can think of a million continue. things you'd like to do less. I, eat runny eggs. It's, it's, that's right up there. Okay, continue. Well, Jonathan Majors, who is a very handsome man. Mm-hmm. With a very handsome body, not that I noticed and not that I would ever use that as the metric for how I would value a person. I would value him because of his soul. Can I tell you his soul was rock hard? <laughs> <laughs> so I made that up. I, I have no idea. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Okay. I'm, the, I'm, I'm the moderate MILF here. Okay. Jonathan Majors. Now, on Sunday night, News hit that he had been arraigned on several assault and harassment charges, according to the Manhattan DA's office. I am now reading from Variety. In the complaint, the unnamed female accuser says the defendant did, quote, strike her about the face with an open hand, causing substantial pain and a laceration behind her ear. She also claims he, quote, put his hand on her neck, causing bruising and substantial pain, end quote. Majors was arrested on Saturday in Manhattan in an alleged domestic dispute. He was charged with several accounts of assault in the third degree, three counts of attempted assault in the third degree, one count of aggravated harassment in the second degree, and one count harassment in the second degree. It was a very, like, you know, I, I think if you are accustomed to seeing these things cross the transom as I am, uh, I tend to feel like it's probably going to be like a low bar. Like we've seen headlines like this where it's like, and then it turned out he touched her knee, you know? Yeah. It's there been, that that is a little bit of a hyperbole, but not like much of one because some of these things have been pretty, pretty micro. Um, And this one was, was not. Um, And so, you know, I really wasn't watching Twitter for this. I was watching Twitter for the jokes about succession. 
that's where I was on Sunday night. Um, so yeah, that there is more to this story, but before we get to the more of it, Nancy, did you have any reactions to this first announcement? you you had sent me the link. Um, the his attorney came out very strongly, saying absolutely none of this is true. We can absolutely prove this, and that the, these allegations are false. So it wasn't like no comment or let's like let's things let things play out. Let's you know let's let this be decided in a court of law or hiding or no comment. It was very very strong. Now you can understand that an attorney is there to protect you. So okay, so maybe he's just saying this because as a gambit. Like while this is playing out, let's just completely proclaim our innocence. However, it also made me think exactly like you're saying. This is someone who's sort of at the top of his game right now. I have no idea what happened. I was not there. I do not know the accuser. I was not in the car. But we have seen instances where people um, see either see an opportunity and take it or misconstrue something because they feel that it is maybe they're having some kind of emotional crisis and they are upset. Maybe things aren't going their way and they make a decision that the person that maybe they were having a interesting date with or a mediocre date with, um, they are going to say it went south, which according to what I read this morning, and this does not prove anything. What I'm about to say does not prove that he did not assault her, but she apparently dropped all the charges and recanted and said it didn't happen. Yeah, so that's what I was about to get to. So this is a really interesting twist. Um, this came out, I think, pretty much the next day. Yep. Um, so his criminal defense lawyer is a woman named Priya or Priya Chowdhury. And she says, Jonathan Majors is completely innocent and is probably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows. We are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the district attorney with the expectation that all charges will be dropped immediately. Chowdhury goes on to say there is video footage from the vehicle where the alleged incident took place, witness testimony from the driver and onlookers, and two written statements from the woman recanting the allegations. So I'm reading this and I'm like, wow, that is actually quite a bit of evidence. (laughs) Like a lot of times it's like, we proclaim he's completely innocent and we will show it by showing you some text messages. Right. And this was like video footage, witness testimony of the driver, the onlookers, and then the woman herself. (laughs) And who uh, who was said to be having some sort of, I mean, the way I read it this morning was that she was having an emotional Breakdown of some sort. So what they say is that she was having an emotional crisis and she was taken to the hospital and the New York police department is required to make an arrest in those situations. And that's why Mr. Majors was arrested. This is according to a quote I'm reading and they expect the charges to be dropped. Well, that came out, uh, I think Sunday, but by Monday, the army had dropped, uh, Majors is, um, had done two ads for them, two recruitment ads. And, you know, I get it. I mean, honestly, the army, which is having a lot of, we're talking the U S army, just to, to be clear, like not army hammer. Uh, Oh my God. Sorry. Wow. Uh, um, Yeah. Like the U S army had, had him star in two recruitment videos and the army has like a little bit of some optics problems right now. So I, I, I can understand why they're not choosing this moment to be like, we stand by Jonathan Majors, who, you know, and this is, 
this is going to, he's got a lot of high profile stuff coming up. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, I had a couple of different thoughts when I read this. When, when you read the part about, uh, you know, he's innocent and she recanted, what did you think? I thought two things. I thought, I thought, well, maybe it is the case that she had an overreaction or it didn't happen that way at all. And so she just had a, a, a sort of her, a crisis of conscience and said, you know what, I'm not going to go through with this probably because she had some pressure put on her to not go through with it. Or just the, the last part of that statement, she had pressure put on her and said, girl, you are going to take this back. You are yeah. not going to do this. And here's the thing. We, I mean, I haven't looked at any of this evidence that they say they're going to put out. I will say that we are in an environment where things happen so incredibly quickly, like in within minutes because of the way that news travels, that people, I could imagine, especially if you're famous, uh, it, that you feel like you have to have all of these witnesses or all of these cameras or all these things around to just say, excuse me, this is actually what happened. Here's the, mm-hmm. let's roll the videotape. Um, but also on the army, I'm assuming was, was majors, a he was, was he in the, I don't remember. Was he in the armed services? Was he, is he a veteran? Not to my knowledge, because oh. usually people from Yale drama school don't go to the army, but he might yeah. have, I have no idea. I mean, Adam driver. He didn't go yeah, to Yeah, exactly. School, Adam Driver's a service. great. Yeah. So when you're saying the or the the you know the armed forces are having a crisis, they can't they can't get people to enlist. I mean that it's down like no. another twenty four percent, and they are really trying to get people to enlist. And everybody's and too fat. That actually that's true. That is there, which is just incredible, incredible. Wow. I want to find that article because I remember reading that 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 people are just too heavy to join to do. You have to you have to be in shape. Dude, well, going- they've lowered their standards. You know, one of the things yeah. they're doing is adjusting their standards. And, you know, but the question is, like, is that a good idea to do, especially in, I mean, you know, you're talking about, like, maybe for a desk job, right? There's different levels of the armed forces, sure. and maybe they sure. don't all have the same standards. But, like, the Marines and the Navy SEALs, like, please don't be adjusting those standards. You, you can't. You can't do it. But anyway, so those were my two reactions about what happened. I mean, very similar to mine. Um, I will say that when I read, He's correct. He's completely innocent and probably the victim. My mind went Johnny Depp. You know, Johnny mm. Depp opened the door to this defense in a way that would have been laughed out of the courtroom just a year ago. And whether it's true or whether it's false, I can't say. What I can say is, whew, yeah, that this is what we heard from people when they were so angry about that. That case was that it's going to create a bunch of abusers that are going to claim they're the victim. Now, I don't happen to think that specifically happened in the Johnny Depp case. If you're interested in what I think in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, you can read a friggin' 10,000 word barn burner called The Agony and Ecstasy of Depp v. Heard, um, which I wrote for a little publication called Smoke Him If You Got Him Substack. But and it's it is there it is according to every single person the definitive accounting of that and you sh- you should read it if if you should read it even if you're not interested in Depp Heard because this is what it means to take a both a deep dive and a wide view of these sort of stories that that capture the culture and congratulations Sarah Hepla it's an amazing piece 
Thank you, Nancy. I just, You're I like welcome. mentioning that because then it just prompts you to give me compliments. And then oh, yeah. I love the compliments. Yeah. I'm eating a compliment Sunday right now. It's delicious. <laughs> um, do you, when you get Sundays, do you get them with whipped cream, a cherry and sprinkles? No, I get oh, it with, um, usually I like vanilla soft serve with hot butterscotch or caramel and a little bit of whipped cream. Keep going. And then I <laughs> Why did I say that I didn't like uh, cheap sexual double entendres? Because it's like my number one revenue stream. What am I even trying? Did oh. did you rummage that Sunday to fruition? I did. It was very it was sweet and salty and <laughs> sweet and salty. I'm creamy, blushing. Creamy at the end. Okay. You know? Okay. We gotta okay. do a podcast. Anyway, yeah, people um, are getting a little hot and so, bothered here. Uh, I wanted to say one more thing, which yep. is that, um, yeah, I, I, when I saw all the evidence, I was sort of like, oh, wow, maybe this really is one of these awful situations where this woman really was very unstable. I've certainly seen these situations happen before. And, you know, something that can be portrayed in the media as sounding just like absolutely unassailably terrible, then you start to get new information and you're like, Okay. And if you ever want to walk back an allegation, the very best way to do it is to have the person that filed it recant it. And you know who taught me that? The Dallas Cowboys. Mm. The do Dallas you want to Cowboys. Give us an example? Well, yeah. I mean, the classic example that I think of is when this woman accused Michael Irvin of rape in the 90s. I'm sorry, I always get this wrong. She accused a Dallas cowboy, uh, whose name I always forget, of raping her. And she accused Michael Irvin of holding a gun to her head while this was happening. Just so And this was a sensation in, of course, the Dallas media, but also the national media. And, you know, friends of hers describe... In early reports, you know, friends will describe bruises on her body and how shaken she was. Um, but she then recanted and then disappeared. I mean, she was from like uh, one of the Latin American countries and she went back home. And, you know, it, it is my best guess, by the way. I, I've, I've heard that from people that know things about this case, but we are all guessing. Everyone's guessing. And, you know... Um, Non-disclosure agreements can be leveraged to incredible power. And Jerry Jones is actually in the midst of a pretty intense couple different cases right now, but one of them is with his own daughter. You know, he had a child out of wedlock. Uh, he made a deal with her mom that he would pay for her in, in order for the girl to have silence. At 25 years old, she decided that she didn't want to lie about her father anymore. And she took him to court and said, basically, like, I can't agree to this when I'm in the womb. Like, my mother right. made a deal with you, but I didn't. Right. I, would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that, too. Actually. But, of yeah. course, it's stalled in court. It's stalled in court. Sure. And so sure. I don't know what's going on there. But she hit him with another. De- she hit oh. him with a defamation suit. And it just broke yesterday by my buddy and new subscriber to the pod, Don Van Natta Jr. Oh, and cool. yes, and he is at ESPN. If you don't know him, you should. He's the goat. And 
he had a piece on this, you know, this um, defamation suit. She's going to sue him for calling, you know, because he's going out in public and saying she's not my daughter. And of course, I think there is a paternity test here. I actually need to read the piece by Don. Sorry, Don, I've been super busy. Um, Question for you. Have you ever or would you ever sign an NDA? I'm sure I would. It's very rare that I would, that I, like, I never say never. I know that's a cliche, but like, I feel like there's gotta be something like some loyalty blood oath to a friend or something that I would do. See, I think the, there's sort of the poison pill in the ask, right? Why are you oh, asking for sure. this? And that would be, that would be something I would, I would really question. I've never been asked to sign one. Um, and I, I got to I got to yeah, add yeah. that reminds me I need to email you something. Okay. An NDA about this? Yeah, are just we kidding. are we have yeah. we gotten to that point in our relationship, Sarah? It, yeah, we're about to. Sarah. Um so uh, where are we? We are are we are we going to wade into I I actually just I'm sorry. We've been so bananas busy. I just read the AO Scott piece this morning. Oh, AO. you just changed subjects. I wasn't even done. It's okay. Oh, no, no, please, please go, go, go. No, go. I don't know what else I was going to say, except I didn't know you were going to pivot like that. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I, I was sort of thought we were still mulling this whole non-disclosure agreement. My, my joke seems to have dropped a I, bomb on our discussion. Um, I'm not going to send a non-disclosure agreement to you. You know, the you. thing is, is like, we don't know what this is going to be. And so I think cases like this become basically an anthropological study in how the media handles it and how, you know, Hollywood handles it and what's going to happen. You know, this woman is yet unnamed. Uh, this is a, this is a moment when being vague is actually asked of you. Uh, she, her, her identity has not come out. We don't know that it ever will. And we don't know their relationship. We don't know what was going on. Um, but apparently there is video. Now, does the video show something? It might show nothing, you know? In, in ter- you can have video that that is completely irrelevant. If I were, if I were this actor and then this lawyer, uh, this is what, but I tend to like things to cool down as, as opposed to heating up. If this woman recanted and everybody felt comfortable. It's like, there's no need to look at all this video. There's no need to keep this in the news cycle. There's no need to have 4,000 people tell their story to People Magazine. We don't know what kind of star this person wants to be. We don't know what their handlers and PR and lawyers are saying. But wouldn't it be nice if these things could just kind of, if in fact, and we hope nothing bad happened in that car, we definitely hope you know, he didn't strike her and she didn't strike him and all that. If well, it can something just, bad happened in that car. May or not. Well, we, may, maybe. It just, why, why does it have to be the next red meat thrown into the maw of celebrity? And we're going to chew on this now for a while. It's just, it's just sad. Like it's also, what do they call that? There's like, um, there's like Thin desires and thick desires, or something like that. I was listening to this. Mine thick. I have thick desires. Like Luke Burgess talked about this on a, on a podcast uh, a couple days ago. Thin and thick something. It's like a, like to care what happened to this person. To use this as like a little ten calorie snack, or even yeah, even yeah, just a distraction yeah, for your day. Like what? I don't care. Like I want to go do something that's like deeper and richer and meaningful that I can hopefully give that is enriching for someone in a thicker way. I just like, please let it just all like go, go and die. 
just it's not it's not necessary. I don't want it in my cultural law. Makes you miss the studio system, doesn't it? <laughs> it makes me really not want it. Not that this is ever going to happen, but like I would not want to be a famous person that everybody wanted to date. Hell I no. mean, there is no way. Oh no, 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 no. I it's just it's just too fraught. Everybody everybody has their own reasons to touch your starriness and your shininess and your glossiness. It's well, just it's terrible. I gotta say that is a good segue to Gwyneth Paltrow, who's having something of a week. Um, you know, she's in court testifying over a skiing accident. And it's a situation where he says this is an older man. They were they were skiing and she you know, he says she skied into him. He says she skied into her. Um, I have not been paying attention to this trial because I am way too busy for this. However, it is capturing the imagination of some of my friends. Yeah, Why? I think, I think you, what did you say? You, you got a, a message from a friend of you who said, I'm going to be reporting you to the podcast commission if you guys don't talk about Gwyneth Paltrow or something like that. Um, I also, okay, so I... Two have been busy. This is kind of this is the sub theme to this uh, episode. And I, there was a little picture of Gwyneth Paltrow saying like, "Wow, does she looks like some sort of like nineteen seventies ski person?" She had on a ski sweater and these like great tint, yellow tinted aviator glasses, and she did. She looked like a nineteen seventies kind of ski uh, ski goddess. Um, I knew nothing about this case. It's apparently been going on for a while. She says he skied into her. He says, and his apparently his children are saying that she skied into him and precipitated or maybe even caused his memory loss and physical debilitation. I think he's in his late 70s. You know, I have a mother who is now past her late 70s. I had a father who was in his late 70s before he died. And I can tell you sometimes people's uh, descent into disability uh, and uh, cognitive and physical is pretty, is pretty uh, pronounced. Yeah, but so, it's very hard to prove that it was an accident at that age. Okay. Well, yes, it's very hard to prove. Also, as someone who was a skier, I grew up skiing. I don't ski very much anymore, but I like to snow ski, like to go fast. People crash into each other. This is what happens when you go skiing. That's you fall I down. Ski. That's why you never you should fall, ever ski. Never ski. You fall down. You slide down mountains. You slide into people. You get off chairlifts. Your ski gets caught on something. Your kids are zipping by you on their snow. People fall down. People, unfortunately, ski into trees and get killed. I, I know actually two people that that happened to. Um, we don't know. I was not on the slope. What I do know is I saw, and it was very, very, very short. It was like a two-minute clip of, I believe it was her attorney questioning her on the stand and being very sort of obsequious, like, hey, so Gwynny, she didn't say that, but, you know, so tell me about it. And Gwyneth is kind of smiling on the stand and saying, but you got like a little salty in your language. Like, yeah, I did. I said things like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you? And apparently she recalls just being absolutely livid and cursing with this guy when this happened. Now, that struck me as a little bit not the Gwyneth we've kind of come to know, not just in her films. I don't, I haven't really probably seen very many films that she's been in. Shallow Hal was pretty funny. Um, but um, you would like that. I thought it was fun. I love those movies. I think those movies are so that look, funny. That movie looks so horrible to me. Oh, no, it was so funny. Okay. And if, if guys, if there's anyone here 
that hasn't seen There's Something About Mary, which was one of their first films. I can't remember the names of the, the brothers, brothers. The Farrell brothers. My, I, I had just met my husband when um, um, uh, There's Something About Mary came out. I was on the East Coast. He was on the West Coast. I went and saw the movie. I was laughing so hard that I had my mouth like in the seat cushion of the the, the seats in front of me at the theater. So I told him to go see it and with his buddy and they're like, oh, that looks stupid. I'm like, just please trust me. I also rewatched it on a plane about a year and a half ago and I had to I had to cover my face. I was laughing so hard. So go do see There's Something About Mary. Counterpoint, don't yes. see There's Something About Mary. No. Sometimes you and I have very different <laughs> takes on comedy. I can tell you that I liked that movie when it came out. I have since rewatched it. I found it unwatchable. <laughs> Um, I found it disgusting, offensive, incredibly coarse in the extreme. Um, I do not even have delicate sensibilities in this category. So point, counterpoint. Point, counterpoint. Um, in any case, I guess what I was going to say is that this, you know, cursing, but also like it was this weird, she was kind of like smiling and saying, yeah, I was like using that really salty language. Isn't, I don't think... The sort of impression we have from Gwyneth and Goop, if anybody doesn't know what Goop is, it's a kind of a lifestyle beauty health brand that Paltrow started, God, it's got to be at least about 15 years ago now. And it always runs into some, you know, sometimes it's just like nice skincare and all this stuff. And sometimes it's the ridiculous stuff like sticking a a jade egg in your cooter and that's going to be good for your, your vagina and your sexual vibes or something. Or can, just, can I make a little note about the jade egg? Yes. You know, that's been the long running joke on her, you know, is that if you want to make fun of Gwyneth Paltrow, you make a joke about the jade egg, which was a thing that she sold on Goop. And then I made that crack one time at a table with a bunch of women that were a little bit older than me. And one of them Hello, um, smoker, said got to me, you know, if you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, biweekly episodes with Sarah Hepla. Sarah Hepla, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.